InfoTrack continues. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. Research into high school graduation rates has uncovered very troubling findings. They show the dire need for progress at our urban schools. With more, here's InfoTrack's Taryn McCall. Taryn? Thanks, Chris. A new nationwide study shows a startling gap in the graduation rates between urban and suburban schools, a statistic that apparently had been wildly underreported in previous studies. Joining us now on InfoTrack is Dr. Christopher Swanson, Director of the Editorial Projects and Education Research Center, the Maryland group that produced the study. I don't think it would come as a surprise to anyone that dropout rates in inner-city schools are much higher than those in the suburbs, but what is the actual magnitude? I think that's exactly right. People are not going to be surprised by the general pattern, but there's such stark disparities between our largest urban districts and even neighboring suburban areas that that, I think, really takes people aback. What we find in this study, which looks at the 50 largest cities in the country, the school systems that serve them, and the urban-suburban disparities in their surrounding areas, we find that overall for the 50 largest cities, the graduation rate in the urban areas is only about 60%. It's even lower. It's only about 53% in the main districts serving those big cities. When we look at the urban-suburban disparity, we're finding an 18 percentage point gap. That's really large, considerably larger, in fact, than we find for the nation as a whole. And this is a larger gap than any previous study. What accounts for that? Just like we would for a variety of other educational outcomes that we're interested in, test scores, you name it, we're seeing really the cumulative disadvantage that falls on students who are served by our largest school systems. Our largest school systems are often serve a disproportionately disadvantaged population. These students tend to be poor. In addition to that, they may not have the advantages of well-funded and supported schools. They may not be able to attract and hold on to the best teachers. And so these types of factors really kind of build upon each other and contribute ultimately to these large urban-suburban gaps that we're seeing. Has there been an increase across the board in dropout rates, both at urban and suburban schools? You know, that's actually one of the interesting things that this report looks at. It's something we did really for the first time this year. And what we're finding over the past 10 years in general is that the nation has been improving gradually. Between 1995 and 2005, for example, the nation as a whole has increased the graduation rate between 4 and 5%. We see that also about the same pace of improvement for the 50 largest cities, main school districts. But around that 4.5 percentage point gain, we're finding tremendous differences. At the high end, some of the cities that are doing really, really well have improved their graduation rates by about 20 percentage points or more over this period. By the same token, there's a handful of districts that have seen double-digit decreases in their graduation rates among these 50 large cities. And so overall, I think there's some room for cautious optimism. However, you know, the point to stress here is that really very few of these big city districts are graduating students at a rate that any of us would be satisfied with, even if they've seen improvement over time. Are the graduation rates calculated differently than they were in the past? We're doing an analysis that's consistent over time, although one of the larger issues that people who are following the graduation topic will know is that there's some debate over how states calculate their graduation rates. They do somewhat different things from state to state, and that makes it difficult both to compare one state to another using their official statistics and in some cases to compare over time because states may change their methods over time as well. How did the No Child Left Behind Act influence graduation rates? Do you have any data on that? Yeah, we haven't looked at the impact of the policy, you know, in terms of whether the law is improving or leading to declines in graduation rates. 
But one of the things that we do know is that prior to No Child Left Behind, people were paying very little attention to graduation rates as an issue. And the reason that, you know, we're talking about it now, really, is because graduation rates are part of the federal accountability under No Child Left Behind. So in addition to holding schools accountable for the test scores, high schools are also held accountable for the percent of students that graduate. Prior to that, very few states were calculating those rates in a systematic way and using them for any kind of high-stakes purpose. And so... No Child Left Behind, if nothing else, has raised the profile of the issue. Now we understand that there is a crisis facing the nation when it comes to graduating students, and we can at least get a first sense of how big that problem is. Let's talk about remedies. What can be done near and long term to turn this problem around and graduate more students? I think one of the things that we get an appreciation for in this particular study is that we need to focus on the longer term here. It's a very serious problem in terms of its magnitude. And when we're looking across even these 50 cities, the cities that are doing the best over time are only boosting the graduation rate by about one or two percentage points a year. And that's not going to sound like a lot to people, but if you can make consistent changes and improvements over time, that does build up. And so the first thing is, you know, we need to be in this for the long haul. This is not a problem that's going to be solved overnight. The other thing that it's worth noting is that some of the school systems that we look at who've made the biggest improvements over time have a couple things in common. These are systems that either locally, whether it's the mayor's office or the superintendent or local leaders, have had strong leadership behind the graduation and dropout issue in recent years and have really stepped up to the problem, admitted there's an issue there, and moved ahead with an aggressive and sustained program of reform. So local leadership is really key, and the broader that leadership and the more different partners are involved, the more likely you're going to be to see improvements. The other thing a number of the cities making the most improvements have in common is that they've been willing to take a cold, hard look at their data to better understand the nature of the dropout problem they have. And often what they find is that the students who are at risk of dropping out are not monolithic. They're not all different than one another, but there may be a small handful of different groups of students, types of students who are at severe risk of dropout that have very different needs from one another. And so what that means is when you can identify those students as a group, you can start to build appropriate programs and interventions to serve those students. It could be a 20-year-old student who has two credits to go versus a 20-year-old student who has 30 or 40 credits to go. On the surface, those students may look very similar, but in terms of the educational interventions that are required, they're very different. And a number of the school systems that have shown the biggest improvement have really taken a good hard look at data and matching intervention strategies to how they understand their dropout population. What would you say about the role of vocational schools? I know they're kind of a dying breed, but for students that would not necessarily be on a college track and therefore maybe at higher risk for dropout, would this offer a suitable alternative? I think one of the things that's really important is that students need to remain engaged and how you can engage and interest a particular student and have them see the connection between what they're doing now in high school and whatever's going to come later are different from student to student. And so ideally you want kind of an array of options that school systems and schools can offer students. But vocational education is potentially an important way for people to engage as students who may not see the practical applications of regular coursework, but if you can tie good academic content with vocational and career education, that may be what lets them say, well, what I'm doing here in school now matters because the math I'm doing 
in this class can be used for a skilled trade that I'm interested in, and, you know, that's something that might keep them in school longer. We've been talking with Dr. Christopher Swanson of the Editorial Projects in Education Research Center. Dr. Swanson, is there a website where listeners can read more about your findings? One is the America's Promise Alliance's website, which is americaspromise.org, and they're involved in a nationwide dropout prevention initiative. In addition, if people are interested in information about their local school district, you can go to our website, which is maps.edweek.org, and there you can kind of map out graduation rates you know, all the way down to the local level and get information about any individual school district in the country. Dr. Swanson, thanks for being with us on InfoTrack today. It's been my pleasure. And I'm Taryn McCall for InfoTrack. You're listening to InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know.